Buddhist Geeks Discover the Emerging Face of Buddhism. Episode 295 Meditating to Get Ahead. In this episode, meditation teacher Kenneth Folk joins a meeting of the Geeks of the Round Table to discuss the recent Wired article, Enlightenment Engineers. In this discussion, the Geeks ask Does meditation really make you more productive and wealthy? This is part one of a two-part series. Buddhist Geeks is supported largely by the generosity of our listeners. If you like what we're doing, please consider making a one-time or monthly recurring donation by visiting BuddhistGeeks.com forward slash donate. Hello, Buddhist Geeks. I'm Emily Horn, and today on the Geeks of the Round Table... I am joined by Vincent Horn, <laughs> Kelly Sosan Bearer, and her lovely puppy, <laughs> and Kenneth Folk. Um, we are here today to discuss um, the recent Wired article, Enlightenment Engineers. And while there's a lot of different themes that we could explore, we picked one in particular um, to start this series of conversations. One of um, the quotes that I wanted to bring into this conversation, um, quoting the article, it's not just Google that's embracing Eastern traditions. Across the valley, quiet contemplation is seen as the new caffeine, the fuel that allegedly unlocks productivity and creative bursts. Classes in meditation and mindfulness, paying close non-judgmental attention, have become staples at many of the region's most prominent companies. So just to kind of open this exploration um, with the question, does meditation really make you more productive and wealthy? And is it a way to get ahead? So I thought we could start by um, just briefly going around everyone, just giving kind of a couple thoughts on the subject, and then we will open it up to some creative exploration here. Vincent, would you like to open it? Yeah, happy to. Yeah, I was talking with Kenneth actually a couple of weeks ago. We were exploring this topic of does meditation make you more productive and, and wealthy? And I looked at my productivity and looked at my bank account and I was thinking, mm, I'm not really sure it has for me. And as I was thinking more about it, I, I really started reflecting on kind of that this is sort of a values question, it seems like, that this is obviously an article in Wired magazine. So this is going out to sort of all of the main folks in the tech uh, sort of entrepreneurship scene, which is really has a hub in Silicon Valley, San Francisco, where Kenneth lives. And there's a certain set of values there. I mean, if you've, if you've been to Silicon Valley, you see the values reflected. And the values have to do with being more productive, more efficient, more effective, creating organizations, generating wealth, you know, for venture capitalists or for yourself. And... I think what's happening is that culture is getting interested in meditation and they're naturally trying to understand it in terms of what they already value. So the interesting thing about this though, is that I, you know, for most of us, that's not the values we've come into meditation with. Um, we've had different value sets, uh, some that come from the Buddhist tradition, some that come from whatever subcultures we're part of. And I think part of the challenge of this article is, is there's a clash of values here. Mm -hmm. And I think it could be easy to say, oh, well, the values I have are the right values. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more interesting to, like, use meditation to observe, you know, the microphenomena of mind and body and see everything as a process. 
and to wake up to something that's sort of bigger than this small identification with a particular thoughts or patterns. And that's a really cool value. At the same time, that's obviously not what Silicon Valley values. And so I, I'm really curious, and I have an open question about this. If people value something and they use meditation for that aim, maybe it will actually help them do that better. And, and maybe we won't like that because that's not what we're valuing. And there's a big conversation about which values are better. And, and are, are, are they sort of equal? Is it just a question of which ones you, know, you prefer? Or are certain values going to actually lead to really bad things for the environment and the ecosystem, you know, which is one of the concerns that I have about the value of just constantly increasing productivity and wealth um, without any sort of awareness or, or not much awareness of the kind of larger systems that we exist within. So those are just some thoughts. I was thinking a lot about values and meditation. Thank you. Yeah. Kelly? Yeah, just kind of riffing. I'm going to say something completely different now after Vince. Um, just riffing off values and, and just really looking at stages of development and how each stage of development actually um, can use meditation as a tool to enhance their own value meme of where they're at. And, and I think that's an interesting way of looking at meditation. Meditation is just not one thing. Meditation can be many things depending on what world view you're coming through, what stage of development you're at, and what you do value. And um, at a more kind of scientific, business-oriented, developmental level, or you know, kind of like that mindset, I think anything that you, anything that's outside of you that you can see to use to make anything else better, is ultimately going to become a tool to improve yourself and yourself in this situation seems to be really based on what your values are, at least what I got from the article. So like using, so saying like contemplation is the new caffeine. That is a huge statement. What does that mean? Why are we saying this? (laughs) And is it true? Um, So reading this article, enlightenment engineers, and then having the topic of this show be called enlightenment engineers question mark. I've just really found myself having a lot more questions than I do viewpoints or answers or kind of statements to the article itself. And I'm just really curious how people make the leap from meditation to being more productive, to being more wealthy. And um, I'm just really curious, kind of that, that trail of thought, how we, how we get there. And then kind of wanting to look at that and seeing if we can unpack that, that thread and seeing you know, what's accurate, what's not accurate. Is it true? Is it not true? Are these just side effects, just like happiness and compassion and joy? Is productivity a side effect of meditation? That's an interesting question. What about you, Kenneth? Since I'm in San Francisco, a lot of my students are, are uh, tech people. And, and I hear this all the time. Will meditation make me more productive? And I always say, I don't know. I don't have any data to support that. I know, I know some people who will say, uh, yes, meditation definitely made me more productive. So I'm thinking of one fellow who is very successful in business. He had a big breakthrough, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, and he says that uh, somehow informed his business success. I know another person who's also very successful in business, and he's been meditating for about six weeks, and he says meditation makes him more productive. So the jury's out there. Uh, I know some people, by the way, another person who's very successful in business, and he says if everybody meditated, 
nobody would get anything done. <laughs> what happens is you get to the point where a lot of the a lot of the drivenness fades away. You don't care to work your fingernails to the bone to do whatever it is that you thought was so important. Now that certainly makes a lot of sense to me too. Uh, so could go either way, and it and it may be that meditation has exactly no bearing on your success or lack thereof for most people. If you think of uh, mind training, mental training, as a big, wide-open kind of a thing, you can train this mind to do all sorts of things. Well, it may be that you can uh, design specific practices that would make you more productive. Again, I don't know. It certainly is true that you can design practices that do something to how you experience the world uh, that, that lead to peace of mind. That's, that's something uh, you hear a lot about from meditators, and, and I can get on board with that. So meditation can lead to peace of mind if you do it in a certain way. Riffing off of what Vincent said uh, about values, well, the way my values are, I wrote an essay a couple of weeks ago called Meditation is Not a Productivity Tool. And I made the case that using meditation for productivity is kind of like using your car for a greenhouse. Your car actually might make a good greenhouse. It has windows. It will heat up in there. You could probably grow a great crop of groceries in your car. <laughs> but your car is good for a lot of things. And in fact, one of the good things that your car would be good for is if your crop fails, you could drive to the market to buy groceries. <laughs> so, uh, so I think of this, meditation would be really good for almost everybody, I think, if they do it according to my values, which is that even if you don't succeed in business, you'd still be okay. Now, I want to make sure nobody heard that as if you meditate, you won't succeed in business. And if you meditate, you shouldn't care if you succeed in business. I didn't say that. I actually think it would be wonderful to succeed in business. I would like to. I have never been able to do that so far. But wouldn't it be nice to know that when everything goes wrong for you, at the end of the day, you're sick, you're old, you're dying, and your business just failed, you could still be okay. Now, that would be worth meditating for. Hmm. Thank you. I I agree with you, Kenneth, on some things and really appreciate what Kelly and Vince has said as well. One thing that I've been thinking about in relationship to this is that with meditation, in my experience, there have been times that has not led to greater productivity at all. And when it has led to what I would call greater productivity or creativity, it's been times where I've been able to see I've been able to see um, through this illusion of a contracted sense of self. And so that spaciousness has allowed more birthing or becoming in a, in a genuine, authentic way, which um, in my experience, it does seem like a caffeine. I guess we could say that. And then the trick is, though, the minute that that is um, grasped onto it creates a solid sense of self again. And then therefore the meditation has become a method and a stagnant process that actually has not led to greater productivity. 
So I think that there's a tricky balance with this topic about what really happens when we sit down to practice. And I can relate to the values question, you know, what are we practicing for? And I think that motivation is really important with determining the, um, there was another quote from the article that I'll bring in at this point, and then we can open it up to discussion. It brings up the question of return on investment. And um, the article said, entrepreneurs and engineers are taking millennia old traditions and reshaping them to fit the values, goal-oriented, data-driven, largely atheistic culture. Forget past lives, never mind Nirvana. The technology community of Northern California wants its return and investment in meditation. And to me, that's like, there is a, there is a quality, of course, like we want something when we meditate and there is a process of letting go of um, the seeker or that, that grasping quality. And that's natural. And in the other sense, it, it may not be bad to, to want something. So I just want to open it up now to just a discussion around these topics and see where we go from here. Um, I'll, I'll kick it off because um, kind of something you said about sort of seeing mind training as like a broad thing. Um, that, that's one thing I was reflecting on is maybe certain kinds of techniques actually are better for becoming more productive. Like I can remember, you know, a year or so where all I did was shamatha meditation and all I focused on was the breath. And I remember during that time, my mind was hyper-focused most of the time. And I felt really clear and and, and focused a lot. And I think Perhaps during that period, maybe my productivity increased in some way. Although, to be honest, most of what I was interested in being productive with was meditating more. So it's not like external productivity increase. But then, and I think we've sort of talked around this, you know, the techniques where I've, for instance, done Vipassana practice, where I've I've sort of deconstructed the breath and deconstructed my experience. There have been years where I would go to work, for instance, and just feel like I couldn't do anything. And I would still manage to slog through, but Mm -hmm. there'd be like weeks at a time where I felt like I was completely useless. And I suspect I I was more useless. Um, So anyway, just interesting to think about the way that different meditation techniques might actually have a bearing on on whether or not we are productive. Uh, And and that's sort of assuming that that's even important to, to someone if they're meditating. Yeah, I'm really interested in this whole, again, the meditation is a new caffeine, because if you look at caffeine, it's a stimulant, it's a drug. Are we really saying meditation is the new drug, you know, Silicon Valley, or in general at all? I just think that's an interesting statement. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, pop meditation pill. Yeah. (laughs) There's something really unsettling about that to me. And then at the same thing, it's like, I keep, my mind keeps associating it with Red Bull too. It's like people drink <laughs> Red Bull to get like a lot of stimulation. And I think for me, what comes up is that in the beginning, meditation hat was like a stimulant to me because I was seeing all these things and it was very um, exciting, but to stick with it through the, through the unpleasant parts, I wonder if that, I wonder when that comes in as well. Um, yeah. I've been thinking about a new way to model the, the benefits of meditation. I'm always thinking of new ways to model the benefits of meditation. <laughs> and, uh, and the new one is called ramification. And ramification, if you, if you, if you uh, trace the Latin roots, it means branching. So the way this works, if you imagine a tree, and at the very tippy top of the tree, that's where it's growing vertically. 
So if you can manage to stay at the, at the top of the tree, you're growing all the time. However, if you, if you look at what happens to a tree, it comes up and whatever is in the, in the very top of the tree, if you put a little mark of paint on the, the leaf that's at the top of the tree, it doesn't stay at the top. It, it rolls over to the side, always, always branching like this. So this is the ramification. Now, you can select any of the many things that can happen while you're meditating. You can say, sometimes when I'm meditating, I become more productive. And then you fixate on that and you say, that's what meditation is all about. It's about productivity. Well, but then what happens is you branch off to the side. And maybe you spend the rest of your life obsessing about how meditation will make you productive. Meanwhile, at the tip of the tree, something new has happened. Something else has happened. So imagine all the things, all the benefits, or all the models that people have for, for meditation. Some people say, if you meditate enough, you'll stop thinking. Okay, so that's one of the branches that goes off, and it, and it basically stagnates over to the side. If you meditate enough, um, I'm trying to think of what are some of the, some of the vaunted benefits of meditation. You'll stop having emotions. Okay, so that goes off to the side. But if you always stay at the tippy top of this thing, that's what's exciting to me. You're always, uh, you're always objectifying the subject, whatever I think it is. And this is this is um, this harkens to Robert Keegan's model for for developmental psychology. Mm-hmm. We're always looking through these colored filters. So if you imagine a spotlight at the theater. You pointed at something, and there are these little plastic uh, gel, filters yeah. called gels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you put the amber gel over the spotlight, and then everything looks yellow. Well, we're doing this all the time. Uh, I'm walking around with the filter on, and I don't see it as a filter. Well, the minute I can objectify that and see it, oh, that's the colored filter I've been looking through all day long. That's why I'm depressed today. Now, this isn't easy. It sounds trivial to do it, but it's a it's a whole process of it's an iterative process through a lifetime. But now I've objectified this lens and it no longer has me, as Robert Keegan would say. I have it as a lens, one of many lenses that I look through all day long. So that is what's at the tip of the tree in the ramification model. Always saying, what am I? Uh, what's the filter? What am I uh, assuming? Uh, what am I identified with as a self? And if you do that, it's this constantly dynamic process. We don't know what meditation is going to do for us. It's not a, it's not a thing you can get. It's, it's an activity. It's a process. And let's see. Join us for the fourth annual Buddhist Geeks Conference, hosted in partnership with Mindful Cyborgs and Shambhala Sun from October 16th through the 19th in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. This year's conference will be exploring the convergence of Buddhism with modern culture and technology through informative keynote presentations, idea-packed TED-style talks, self-organizing community dialogues, and contemplative workshops and practice periods. 
This year's list of presenters includes the world's most quantified man, Chris Stancy, abbot of the village Zendo in New York City, Roshi Pat Enkyo O'Hara, and pragmatic Dharma provocateur, Daniel Ingram, as well as many others. For more information and to register, visit BuddhistGeeks.com conference. After nearly a year in private beta, the Buddhist Geeks Network is now open for any independent practitioners who want to engage in interdependent practice. You can find out more about the Buddhist Geeks Network by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. And if you'd like to join the community and join us in regular social meditation practice or other events that we host there in the network, all freely offered, you're very welcome to do so, again, by visiting BuddhistGeeks.network. Love to see you there.